the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. I know many of you had to postpone plans or had plans postponed on you to hit the road and get out and see some things. And I know that many people have been taking advantage of uh, somewhat relaxed conditions here in the, in the pandemic. Airlines can barely keep up with the demand, and we know that if we're out on the road, uh, the roads are getting busier and busier. This morning we begin a new series, and I'm thankful to our creative and visual arts team for giving us some visual cues as we think about a, a road trip, a road trip with Jesus. Now, I know that when some of you plan a road trip, you like to have every detail figured out. You've got everything mapped out. The notes are on your phone. You know exactly what you're going to do when and what all your stops will be. But some of you, I know, like a spirit of a little bit more adventure. You like things to be more free-flowing, less planned. You want to see where the road will take you and what options present themselves. As we begin this new series on discipleship, this adventure and road trip with Jesus, we'll see that this life of Christian discipleship, of, of giving our entire lives to devotion to Jesus, is more like one of those unplanned or less planned road trips. We won't know everything that's coming around the next bend, but we do know who it is whom we follow. At Bethany, our mission is to know God, to follow Jesus, and to serve others. And it's that middle phrase, to follow Jesus, that we'll be focusing on most intently in these next six weeks together. We want to be people who follow Jesus. We want to be disciples who are growing in our maturity, who are deepening in our commitment to Christ, who are actually getting better at being able to follow faithfully. And we want to be people whose very lives would inspire other people to follow Jesus as well. We recognize that following Jesus isn't just kind of a once and done decision. We don't just decide to follow and then we're all set. We know that discipleship, followership, is a journey. And it's always been the case. It's the case we see among Christ's first disciples. This morning we'll look at the first, the opening chapters of the book of Mark and see the story of Jesus issuing his first follow me invitations to his disciples. We'll be anchoring our time in this series in Mark's gospel as we follow along on a road trip with Jesus, kind of follow in his footsteps, join this band of, of followers, and listen to the teachings of Jesus, watching what he does along the road. We'll see that Jesus was very much on the move, especially as he's presented to us in the gospel of Mark. And we'll see, too, that Jesus didn't often simply travel from point A to point B. He made use of that travel time. He used encounters along the road, along the journey, yes, to teach and bless people, but also to make points and to teach lessons to those who are observing his encounters along the road. We read in the Gospels that Jesus attracted a lot of followers. We see people who seem to tag along for a time and then drift off the scene. He was very charismatic. People were drawn to him. But we see that when Jesus intentionally invited people to follow him, invited them to become his disciples, he wasn't just playing a game of follow the leader. 
He wasn't just asking people to be brainless mimics, just to, to mimic his actions. He invited them to be disciples. And it was along the road that they learned about what exactly that meant as he taught them, and as, as he even shared with them what it was going to cost them to be his disciples. We can think of the Gospel of Mark as a gospel written for us, those of us who are not Jewish by birth. Because Mark's gospel was written for a largely Gentile, non-Jewish audience. So Mark always explains Jewish customs, assuming his readers won't know exactly what they are. Mark always translates phrases that are presented in Aramaic. It's also the perfect gospel for us to use on a road trip with Jesus. Because Mark, much more so than the other gospel writers, Matthew, Luke, and John, focuses on what Jesus does even more than on what Jesus says. This is the action novel of the Gospels. Mark likes to keep things moving. His Gospels have been described as a simple, succinct, unadorned, yet vivid account of Jesus' ministry. Mark likes to use a lot of adverbs. His favorite phrases are things like immediately, at once, he keeps things flowing. And so I invite you to listen for this sense of action and immediacy as I read our passage this morning, Mark 1, 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, this passage begins in Mark 1:16, and if you go back and look at the first 15 verses of Mark, you'll see that those verses cover a lot of ground that is given much more attention and detail in other Gospels. In Mark 1, prior to this scene from the, this morning's text, John the Baptist has already appeared on the scene, calling people to repentance and baptism. And then with no other introduction, we read in verse 9 that Jesus also came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And then after his baptism, there's just a two-verse summary of Jesus' time in the wilderness, being tempted and tested by Satan. Mark seems to be in a hurry to get to the part of the story where Jesus is doing stuff with his disciples. That's where his focus is. Just a few verses into this gospel, we already see Jesus launching his ministry. And it's clear that in his call, his invitation to follow me, he's inviting people to also launch into a ministry along the road with him. Mark tells us that Jesus one day called his first four disciples. We see that there are two sets of brothers, Simon and Andrew and James and John. And I wonder what Jesus was looking for that day on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. What was he looking for in those he called to follow him? Well, I believe that the scene from Mark makes it clear that when Jesus issues his follow me invitations, it's more about the purpose he has in mind for those people he's calling than it is any pedigree or qualification of those would-be disciples. 
Fishing was a reasonable way to make a living in that time and place. These guys weren't going to get rich, but they could certainly sustain a family with the proceeds from the business. It was the kind of business that could be built up and passed from generation to generation, as we see here with Zebedee fishing with his sons in the boat. But these were solidly blue-collar guys. These weren't the social elite. Jesus wasn't looking for pedigree and status. And he apparently doesn't go looking for the brightest and best either. Because these men were fishermen, it meant that they hadn't continued their biblical training beyond the age of 12 or 13. They hadn't chosen or been chosen to follow a rabbi. Their biblical scholarship was completed. And late at night, in the boat while fishing, they probably weren't arguing the fine points of theology. And yet Jesus called them, come, follow me. Not because of their pedigrees, but because he had a purpose for them. He said to them, follow me, and I will send you out and make you fishers of people. And apparently, according to the story, they just dropped everything then and there and followed Jesus. These sons left their dad in the boat, and all of his visions and hopes of of a thriving and growing Zebedee and Sons fishing business just came crashing down in that moment. Now, we don't know exactly what they understood in that invitation. We don't know exactly if they knew what Jesus meant when he said, I will make you fishers of people. But there was something in that invitation, something in this man that made them drop everything and follow him. Just ahead of this passage in Mark, we read that Jesus had begun to travel and teach in Galilee, and his message was remarkably similar to that of John the Baptist. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And so word was getting out about this captivating, roaming rabbi. Maybe these fishermen had gotten wind of him somehow. And they began their journey with Jesus. It's a journey that would see them traveling hundreds of miles, along with eight other disciples who would soon be called. A journey that would take them over about three years of listening and learning. They would walk, and they would walk, and they would walk some more. In fact, if they had a map that they would mark with a sharpie of their journeys as they traveled and retraced their steps and went back and forth, the the map that was traced would have looked like just a jumbled up spider web. They were all over the place. There would be times when they knew where they were going, but they wouldn't know why. There were times when they would follow Jesus having no idea where they were headed next. And as they traveled, they learned. Along the road, sometimes as they stopped, but often even as they were on the move, Jesus would teach them. Jesus would use the things they saw to make a point about the kingdom of God. Jesus would would use their encounters with people to teach them. Jesus would even use their apparent setbacks and obstacles to teach them truths about the kingdom. He'd tell them stories. He'd connect the dots. And it was always with a purpose. And the purpose purpose of Jesus' teaching had to do with his purpose for their lives. He wanted them to be ready to go out on their own and to fish for people. He wanted them to be ready 
to live a life modeled after their master and teacher. Now, I know that, that many of you here this morning would say that just like those first disciples, at some point in your life, you heard a follow me from Jesus. You heard an invitation to begin a journey along the road with him. It was some sort of nudge or push or invitation or calling. Be wonderful to share those stories and hear the variety of what those follow me's sounded like to each of us. But for many of you, you not only heard that invitation, but you responded and you said, yes, I'm ready to follow. I'm ready to, to join Jesus on the road. We know that some people have stories kind of similar to these fishermen where we, we just drop everything and go. We've at least heard stories that dramatic. But for each of us, there's some response, some response, some turning of, from what we had been doing to now doing something different as we follow Jesus. Each of us has a call in our lives to follow our teacher, to live out our identity as his disciples as we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And as we follow, we trust, along with these disciples, that Jesus will lead us along the road and that he'll teach us as we travel. And we'll see that we're not alone. In his own time, Jesus didn't call just one disciple. We see that he called 12. And we see that we have brothers and sisters on the road along with us in this journey. And like those first disciples, we'll be glad that we have each other. There were times in the Gospels you see them kind of huddling together, working out together. What, what is Jesus up to? What did he mean when he said this? And we have the blessing and opportunity to, the, to do the same ourselves. Listen now to this account from Mark chapter 2 where we hear another follow me of Jesus. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus called to Levi to get up, to leave that tax collector's booth, and to follow him. Because, because Jesus had a purpose for Levi, and we see in this story, he had a purpose for Levi's friends as well. Jesus had a purpose to find the lost, to heal the sick, to restore those who were broken. He wanted the sin sick around him to experience the grace and mercy of God. And he called disciples to join him in that same purpose. And Jesus calls us for that purpose, to reach the sin sick and the lost around us, to point them to the love of God. And just as those first disciples did, there will be things in our lives that are obstacles or hindrances, things that would keep us from staying fully in step with Jesus along the road. All of us are going to have nets or tax collector's booths that we need to leave behind if we're to faithfully answer the follow me of Jesus. 
We're called to launch. But we may also hear calls in our lives that whisper or scream to us to stay put. And there will be distractions in our lives. We know we face problems and dilemmas. Emergencies come up. Things that might derail us from our purpose. There might even be some tantalizing opportunities that really sound good, but turn out not to lead us down the road to which Jesus calls us. Responding to the follow me of Jesus, hitting the road with him can be a real challenge. I've heard that the life of a Jesus follower should be thought of uh, less as a sprint and more like a marathon. And that makes sense because the life of discipleship is not just a hundred yard dash where it's just full speed ahead. The terrain is not always flat. It takes some planning and pacing to get through this life with Jesus. But I've actually run several marathons and I've come to be convinced uh, that the marathon analogy is, is pretty limited as well. Because when I run a marathon, more likely than not, I could, I could drive the course ahead of time and see exactly how it's going to be. When I run a marathon, I know that if I run a certain pace, I'm going to hit a certain finish time. And yes, along the 26 miles, there might be some unexpected surprises. The weather might change a little bit over the course of a few hours. But I know exactly where the water stops will be, and, and the whole event is pretty predictable and controlled. And so I've come to prefer saying that, that the life of following Jesus is less like a sprint or even a marathon and more like a long-distance hike. It's a lot more like hiking over 2,000 miles on the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine, or, or Maine to Georgia, but most people go north. During one of my first weekends after relocating here to Connecticut this past summer, uh, I did a 10-mile hike on the Appalachian Trail out near Kent, and as I was hiking, I saw more than a half dozen uh, through hikers, those who, who had started on Springer Mountain in Georgia and who were headed all the way north to Maine. And as I saw them, I was uh, pretty awestruck at the journey that they were on. And I imagined what it would be like to be on that months-long journey of hiking every day. And so I asked someone who's actually done it, Many of you know Greg Levinson, a longtime member here at Bethany. Back in 1986, Greg and two buddies hiked the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine. And so I asked Greg to share a bit about his adventures with me this past week. And what he shared actually confirmed my suspicion that the life of following Jesus is an awful lot like a long-distance hike. Greg told me that since he was coming right out of the army to hike the trail, he thought, he'd be, he thought he'd be ready. But five miles into his journey, he was less convinced. He found out that being fit and ready for one type of activity doesn't mean you're automatically ready for the next. And he, he and his friends also realized very early on that the equipment that they brought, that they thought was just right for the journey ahead of them, turned out to be largely wrong. And so much of that got shipped back home when they passed the first post office. They learned to travel light and rely on the basics. Greg said that hike was by far the hardest thing he'd ever done in his life. But I could tell as he shared his stories that it was also one of the most rewarding. Every day was different. Some days were flat and easy. Other days were rugged and incredibly challenging. 
He and his friends traveled between 5 and 29 miles a day in temperatures ranging from 5 to 102 degrees. Greg said he learned to rely on the goodness of strangers and found himself inspired by them to help people that he could himself. Every morning, Greg shared, was another opportunity to say, gotta keep moving. Some of you may remember this little logo and sound uh, from our time when our services were recorded and online, pre-recorded. And uh, the idea behind those Try This segments at that time were that we need to keep moving. We got to keep moving as disciples of Jesus. And so that's going to involve trying some new things and even doing some experimenting. And so during this six-week series, each week we'll be giving you a Try This card, which will give you something you can do during the week as an experiential way to learn and be stretched as a disciple. So I invite you to take a look at those each week. The content is also available online on the website on the sermon page. If we're going to stay on the road with Jesus, we need to be staying close, sticking close. This won't just be a Sunday to Sunday journey. We know that our journey with Christ will take us through the week. And we'll need to keep trying things and learning and making mistakes and picking ourselves back up and getting back on the road. Jesus looks at us and sees in us the possibility of a fully committed disciple, somebody who's willing to launch onto a journey with him on the road. He's still calling. He's still sending. And I pray that each of us would, would hear his voice, we would recognize him for who he is, that we'd hear his follow me, and we'd say, yes, I am ready to launch. There will be days we look at the backpack that we need to carry as disciples, and it'll be really tempting to just stay snug in our sleeping bags. There'll be days when the weather looks like we really should just stay put, but we're called to get out into it anyway. There'll be challenges along the road that we realize we're simply not fit to meet, and we'll rely on those with us, and we'll rely on the one whom we follow. We'll realize that the things we thought we needed for the journey sometimes are wrong. Sometimes we'll need to make some exchanges. Most often, we'll need to strip down to the basics. There will be heartbreaks along the road, but there will also be incredible rewards. This journey with Jesus will be astounding. The people on the road with us will inspire us and encourage us. They'll help us on the journey, and we'll have an opportunity to help them. And the one who calls us, the one whom we follow, will be faithful. He'll teach us what we need to know along the road. He'll teach us how to do the things that we need to do. My prayer is that we'd stick close to him wherever the road leads. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word to us. Thank you for how your word reveals your son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you that you still call people to follow you. Holy Spirit, give us hearts that are ready to follow. Would you launch us in your power? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.